Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome! Sweet prince, to London, to your chamber. Welcome, dear cousin, my thought sovereign. The weary way hath made you melancholy. No, uncle. I want more uncles here to welcome me. Sweet prince, <laughs> the untainted virtue of your years have not yet dived into the world's deceit. Those uncles which you want were dangerous. Your grace attended to their sugar words, but look not on the poison of their hearts. God keep you from them and from such false friends. God keep me from false friends, but they were none. My lord, the mayor of London comes to greet you. Hello and welcome back. You have joined us for Act 3 of Richard III. And that was Richard III speaking to the prince, the young prince who has been summoned who will inherit the throne is now a major obstacle to Richard III's intentions to get the throne for himself. I am joined again by Emily Maeda. Emily, it's great to have you back. Nice to be here, Tim. Nice to get into Act 3. Listen, can we do Parenting Corner just for a second before we jump into Richard III, Act 3? Because you have... Seven kids, I am on my first, and my wife and I are experiencing a dilemma. What and is I it? Won- the dilemma is that our sweet, beautiful baby Arden, age four months, um, is just, she's a wonderful child. She's happy. She's smiley. She's giggly. Except when mom is... In the office, because my, my wife is a counselor and she's taking a few clients on weekends and the baby is with me. If Arden is in our condominium with just me and mom is not around, it is like DEFCON 5 for this nuclear microwave scream baby. She goes insane and i mean and 
she's a really strong little girl and she does not, when she complains about something, it's not, oh, daddy, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. It is like, right, right, right. She is so loud and so forceful. And so Galen and I are in this dilemma. Maybe you've got a solution for us. We don't know what to do. I mean, I have tried taking, like giving her a bath. I have tried walking her in the stroller. I have tried taking her to the pool. I have tried sitting her on the street corner outside the coffee shop where the cars and the people go by. That has actually worked a little bit. But if she, anyway. All we can say is that Arden Ann is a super perceptive baby. She knows if her mother is not there. She just knows. Okay, but is this isn't this true of all babies? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if all babies are as perceptive or have such a high need. What a smart baby, though, to love your wife so much. See, it's a smart baby. You you <laughs> you know how to do this. You really know how to do this because I'm like, our baby's experiencing a problem, and you're leading in with, well, let's first recognize the extreme gifting that she has. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> She'd be just as perceptive as York, maybe, in this scene of Richard the Third. Okay, would good. Know. She would know if somebody were trying to, you know, usurp her mother. Poor dad, though. It's the worst feeling in the world to not be able to comfort a baby. It's, it's the worst feeling in the it's world. It's so bad. Okay, I, I genuinely feeling. don't believe, I, I know, like, it's not my fault. Right. I know it's just it like she wants change. mom. It, the thing for me is just like she turns into a like she goes red hot. She physically, yeah. I think her temperature yeah. jumps about like yeah. 80 degrees. Yeah. So I'll have her on my shoulder. She'll be screaming in my ear. And again, not to belabor the point, she is loud. She yeah, is she's, like right. A, she's got some lungs. She's got some she is, serious lungs. She's not just whimpering. She's not whimpering. No, no, I no. Wish my mom would oh come no, <laughs> no. It is like full on five alarm fire. Yeah. She will so, gradually know what a wonderful person you are. <laughs> so, if you had this know. with any of your kids, um, I do believe with. It's so hard to remember after you get out of it. But uh, I would say all it's of my PTSD. children have not, yeah, there you go, have not preferred dad until probably, or been um, happy with dad maybe until maybe around a year. Okay. I've heard the same Sorry. thing. Now I've heard the same thing. It, I at least <laughs> look, like, appreciate the- Fathers the, unite. Fathers yeah, fathers unite. unite. Fathers unite. Um, I talked to, and we can wrap this like parenting corner up after this and talk about Richard the Third. But I talked to <laughs> Matt Bianco, um, who Matt Bianco, chief operating officer of the Circe Institute, which platforms this show, and they have three kids. He and Patty do, and he said that the the child I can't remember which one it was who was nursed and did no formula that child like raged when mom was out of the room but the other two who got formula you know mixed in with mm -hmm. like regular breastfeeding they were kind of fine with dad mm -hmm. and we ha we have done hardly any formula we're now trying to kind of get her on formula and she's like are you guys kidding me you're are you kidding I'm me i'm telling you this baby is smart she is not going to be sold with the halfway stuff no oh she's she, not she wants sold her mom. on it Right. And she's not dumb. She's a smart baby. 
You should just put it down to that. Okay. That's what I'm putting it down as. She's a smart baby. Richard III, Act Three. Emily, the, the, the play for me right now feels like a net has been laid in a forest by Richard III. And one by one, all of the different, gosh, dukes, princes, queens are walking across this net and they're kind of one by one being snatched up and taken away. And you can just see all of these obstacles between Richard and the throne slowly being removed by his extreme cunning. And we're starting to see his absolutely ruthless, consciousless, conscienceless approach to getting the throne, which he told me about and told us about in act one, scene one, right? He was perfectly honest about it. Totally honest about it. But now here we are and we're running out of, we're running out of barriers to the throne. Yeah. I like that image of trap being laid in the forest. It reminds me of like those, um, heel snares, you know, where you walk through and it pulls you up by your ankle and yeah. Your yeah. And that is what this act feels like because the first two acts, there's so much prophecy, so much, um, warning foreshadowing. Um, but it's really Edward who dies naturally and Clarence yeah. who we yeah. lose, right? We don't lose everybody else. And then this act it's boom, 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 boom. Right. 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 And it, it feels like the um, tempo increases that they're all getting snatched away. It and really it starts does. with, I mean, it, these scenes are such difficult scenes because the young boys, they are wise beyond their years. They are calling him out. They seem yep. to know better than almost anybody else that he is not to be trusted. And yet they're defenseless. They have nothing that um, can keep him, keep them out of his grasp. We heard that. really. Oof. In the way that the prince um, engages with Richard, you know, Richard comes in, in the audio that we heard, and he, oh, welcome, dear cousin, my thought mm-hmm. sovereign, the weary mm-hmm. way hath made you melancholy. Mm-hmm. The prince is kind of not having it from the beginning. No, yeah. uncle, but our crosses on the way have made it tedious, wearisome, and heavy. I want more uncles here to welcome me. He just kind of brushes yeah, him aside. Right, right. And he, you intone this. He's bright. Both yes. the princes are very, very bright young men. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe they're a little bit saucy, but the sauciness is deserved, deserved. by Richard. Yeah, right. It's deserved. And so it's part, it's it's great writing because it makes the injustice of these two boys being put in the Tower of London even more painful because they're yes. such capable young men. Yes. Yes, I completely agree. Um, The, the, I have, I wonder, I actually have a question. I don't know if you have the answer to this. I don't know the ages of actors in Shakespeare's time. Would the, would this have been played by young boys? I think it would have been played by young boys. Because when I I saw it staged, I saw it with younger players as well. I didn't know. I don't know period um, practices on that. Um. How old do you remember were the boys that played the princes in the production? I want to say saw? that they were pre-pubescent. You yeah, know? 
I mean, who knows, but like 10 to 14 or something like that. Yeah. Which seems appropriate. Seems but totally appropriate too. Yeah. The, yeah. the, um, their voices had not changed or, um, I also think it's interesting to think about how they would be directed and acting because right after the portion that you read, um, Richard tries to say, Oh, you know, your uncles were false friends and I'm here to protect you. And Edward mm-hmm. answers, God keep me from false friends, but they were none. I, it's right. just interesting to think about is it, is it played more saucily or is it played gravely or is it played? Mm. Uh, how do, how did the boys play their lines? Because they are sending zingers back to him repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. There's an irony the to zingers, all of this. Yes, absolutely. I, I think there's like, there's an actor's choice there, isn't there? You can play it. Um, really saucily or yet like you said you can play it with great portent um that i know what you're up to richard or i suspect Mm -hmm. what you're up to and Mm -hmm. i am going to try to signal to you you better watch it with me because i Mm -hmm. i am suspicious of you from the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah i think you could play it either way and both to great effect at the end of this little introduction we meet the mayor of london who will end up playing a significant role so Mm -hmm. to kind of forecast the plot a little bit here um after the princes are put in the tower of london the next step is and i know that i'm skipping a couple things we'll come back to it the next step for richard is okay i have to have a groundswell of support because now is the time that someone needs to nominate me to be the king and so richard's buddy go buckingham goes to the people and he makes his appeal this is after the murder of hastings which we'll camp on in a little bit this is after the murder of hastings there's a kind of there's a proclamation made about how hastings was a bad guy and now richard has swooped in to make things right Hastings is hoping that the people will hear this and they'll be like, yeah, Richard, okay. But (laughs) they don't. They don't. They don't don't. like Richard at all. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. And they don't like throw their voice of support to Richard. And so they're stuck. And Buckingham goes to Richard and he's like, yeah, guess what? You're not a populist after all. You you know, like you're you're not, you don't have the support of the people. They're not loving you. So what do we do? And they are like, I know we can nominate the mayor. The mayor can be the one who in turn nominates you. And that little scene, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that scene is just a touch of genius for me it's Ah. so great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and so so what they do is richard ensconces himself behind this kind of almost like a theater curtain it it appears Mm -hmm. with two clerics yeah and the mayor comes in and now Buckingham is like, okay, I've got to recruit the mayor. How do I do this? And and Buckingham and Richard have game planned. Okay, Richard, you play the role of the kind of prayerful, reluctant warrior who refuses to take the crown. 
and I will play the role of the one who sees you as the only right heir to the throne, and I will convince the mayor of this. And so mayor walks in, Buckingham starts the scene. Oh, mayor, like, listen, I think it's time for Richard to be king, but he just refuses. He's so, there's too much integrity and smooth, too much kind of like spiritual valor. Poverty Let's look at him spirit. now. Too much poverty of spirit. <laughs> Richard, <right? said>, yeah. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. It's, I know. It's, it's I know. the exact opposite. The curtain is drawn back. There is Richard praying with these two clerics. It's a beautiful tableau of kind of meditation and yearnings for higher things. And the mayor buys it. The mayor buys it. I know. Yeah, it's great. That scene, this scene ties in with the earlier scene of the citizens. Is that an act two? Yes. Why am I right. forgetting? That's the end right? of that. But there's yeah. this. You get that little um, portent of what to come and like, oh, Richard's going to do this, but actually nobody is really behind it. But I do love that piece too, that piece of stagecraft that, I don't know, presages so many things that are to come in the modern world of like appearances over substance, right? Appearances over substance, even here in the Middle Ages. Absolutely. over substance. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've never been been immune to it, have we? No, we've never been immune to it. That's right. It's so nice when we look 500 years in the rearview mirror, it kind of makes the modern, like our modern travails much brighter. It seems to me like, oh yeah, this is the same stuff. Same stuff. That we've been fighting with ever since we have a record of it. Yeah. People have always been using piety and religious devotion for their own ends to get power, right? They've been always yeah. doing this. Yeah. It's not a new thing in the 21st century with different folks who want to claim Christianity. Yeah. For their own hey, ends. You used a word just a second ago that I think I've been mispronouncing since I knew the word P R E S A G E S. I say presages, but it's probably British. What do you say? I've seen I've said presages. But when I hear myself say it, I'm like, it can't be that. It has to be presages. <laughs> Even We're though the just, meaning the yeah, meaning is probably right. presages. Right. It sounds too accented, right? It does. If in doubt, like go for sort of a British like thing. <laughs> they, they would say presages. Presages. Right? Buckingham. You're, absolutely. Gloucester. That's exactly right. <laughs> Buckingham. Gloucester. I do like that word a lot, though. It's a great word. It's a great word. I think I feel a lot better about using it now because I feel a little bit more confident about the pronunciation thanks to you. Well, who knows? The podcast I could be was totally a wrong. I, I doubt could be it. Totally I wrong. doubt it. I really doubt it. Isn't it um, fun when you hear somebody else pronounce a word and you're like, oh, note, I will say it that way. <laughs> right. So I have had to, we're really going off Sorry, off we don't the need rails to go off here. topic. We got to come back. Come back. The, um, but I just want to talk about the word homogenous, homogeneous. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone now says homogeneous. And I love I like the sound of homogenous. I know. I love the sound of homogenous. Me too. I'm it's all about homogenous. Yep. Yep. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> we could go down the road with this. We could say a lot more words and how we like to say them. Uh, when anywho, the, should yeah. we come back? <laughs> when the act ends, we Wait, are, are we ending the no, act? No, 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 no. I'm oh, just okay. saying kind of what happens after. Okay, okay, okay. The mayor kind of 
agrees with Buckingham and he starts pressuring, you know, in a complete turn, pressuring Richard. Come on, you need to really think about taking the throne. And (laughs) Richard is like, no, 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 but I can't. I can't do it. Okay, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Come, let us. Well, he says the last thing of the act, the last words are, come, let us to our holy work again. Farewell, (laughs) my cousin. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Let us to our holy work. I have been spending my hours in prayer just here seeking God's will, not executing the deaths of everybody close to me. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, it's so awful. It's so awful. It's so awful. For me, it's almost like Shakespeare is exercising just how gifted he is as a writer in this play. Over and over, he sets up these blockades to Richard getting the throne. The, one of the yes. first ones that we saw was his wooing of Queen Anne, right? Yes. You're like, wait, yes. wait, you're telling me that Richard killed her dad and her <laughs> husband and she's coming along following the funeral yeah. and the casket. And you're gonna you're telling me that Richard is gonna say to us, I'm now gonna woo Queen Anne. I'm gonna do it. And then he goes and he does it. Like, like, and it's completely believable. It's completely like I get to the end. At the beginning, I'm just like, there's no way. Shakespeare, there's no way. You have set the bar too the bar high too to get high. over. Yes. And then no, when he, he does, does it. it, you're like, you know what? Queen Anne was acting quite reasonably there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then the way he kills Clarence and mm-hmm. somehow is able to do it in such a way that the enmity that Edward worked so hard to bring to an end between his wife's relatives and his relatives is completely aflame again, right? Because he's able to cast blame. He's able to use it so uh, neatly to cast blame. Now, it has to be said that when we get to the boys, like his gloves have sort of come off. It's sort of brazen power hungry, right? Like it is very hard. And Hastings is not going along with it, which is the reason that, you know, so now he was using cunning and now sort of the gloves have come off. And now as soon as he learns that Hastings is not on his side, Hastings is dead. The boys are dead. And there isn't any way to sort of like all those other things were sort of cloak and dagger hidden. His, um, you know, Clarence says, it couldn't be my brother, Richard. Richard loves me. I know. Right. To the murderers. So all of that is still playing Richard as um, seemingly virtuous, even though we get it from the two queens who his mother and Queen Margaret who call him out. But now, now it's becoming unmasked. Yep. Absolutely right. I actually right, want to listen to the scene before Hastings' execution. So just to kind of recount what happens, middle of Act 3, Richard comes in. It's a kind of meeting of all of the friends of Richard. And Richard's in a good mood. They're kind of making some plans. And then Buckingham calls him out. And he's like, hey, so Hastings is not like Hastings is playing all nice, but he's opposing you. And Richard and Buckingham re-enter and Richard goes from 
the smiling, nice guy slap you on the back, hey, brother, to he absolutely flips his mood in a second. And let's actually hear this scene. I pray you all. Tell me what they deserve who do conspire my death with devilish plots of damned witchcraft and have prevailed upon my body with their hellish charms. Tender love, I bear your grace, my lord, makes me most forward in this princely presence to doom the offenders, whosoever they be. I say, my lord, they have deserved a death. Then be your eyes the witness of this ill. See how I am bewitched. Behold, mine arm is like a blasted sapling withered up. And this is Edward's wife, that monstrous witch, consorted with a harlot's trumpet, sure that by their witchcraft as a mark me. If they have done this thing, my lord. If. Thou protector of this damned trumpet, tellst thou me of if thou art a traitor! Off with his head! By holy Paul, I will not dine until I see the same. Redcliffe and Lovell, look that it be done. The rest that love me, rise and follow me. Oh, woe to England! Not a witch for me! I too fond might have prevented this. Oh, Margaret, Margaret, now thy heavy curse has lighted on poor Hastings' wretched head. That was Hastings at the end of the scene realizing his doom. He's basically looking at his doom. Woe, woe for England. Not a wit for me, for I too fond might have prevented this. Yeah. Emily, it's a beautiful speech. Um, and so often, I, I mean, I want to hear you comment on the speech, but I just want to observe also that so often in Shakespeare, the most respectable, honest, good people, <laughs> they die. And I don't just yeah. mean like Romeo and Juliet, but I mean the servants to um, righteous power mm -hmm. so often find themselves on the losing end of the sword. And here is another instance mm -hmm. of Hastings, a, by all counts, a good man, a loyal mm -hmm. servant to the crown. Mm -hmm. And he's been trying to kind of keep his head attached to his shoulders um, while still maintaining his integrity, in his integrity, and we find out here, it's not going to save him. It's not going to save him. So I, I would love to hear you comment on Hastings after this monologue. What were your thoughts about about him and about where we are in this tragedy? Yes, I. He he says right after that, Stanley did dream the boar did raise our helms, but I did scorn it and disdain to fly. So there are those uh, moments where there he is given insight into who Richard is. Mm -hmm. It's I think he's such a good character because we ourselves have found ourselves in a similar position where we're going along. We're like, ooh, that's not a good decision, ex leader made. Yeah. Oh, ah. That wasn't good, but for whatever it is, whether it's in an organization, a church, a school, wherever you find yourself, you think, oh, no, the good outweighs the bad, right? And yeah. Hastings is speaking to that so, so clearly. He says, you know, he was happy when Richard imprisoned um, 
the uncles of the king, Elizabeth's yeah. family, because they had been trying to get him murdered, right? Yeah. So he felt great about that. But all of these things, it's like that feeling of da 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 Everything lines up and you go, how did I not see it? And right. he says it so well. And um, when Shakespeare gives us these characters, I, it's it's a grace to us to be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not just me who's experienced this. These very good, these very good, um, dutiful, uh, well-meaning servants within yeah. whatever place they're serving do find themselves in such a place, right? Hastings did not realize until it was too late, even though he says, I was given signs, I was given signs, I right. heard Margaret's words, and I didn't say it. He says later, right after that, um, Ratcliffe, who's going to kill him, says, come on, we want your head. And he says, oh, momentary grace of mortal men, which we more hunt for than the grace of God, who builds his hope in air of your good looks, lives like a drunken sailor on a mast, ready with every nod to tumble down into the fatal bowels of the deep. Oh, my goodness. I think I missed that when I went through it. What a great saying, right? Oh, moment, momentary grace of mortal men, which we more hunt for than the grace of God. Mm-hmm. How true is that? Because there's so a true. truth in that when you, when you find yourself in that position, the position that Hastings, luckily I've never found myself in that position to the point of death, but when it happens, yeah. you realize that there is an element that you have put too much trust in people, right? More than, um, protecting those who should have been protected because Hastings yes. realizes too late. Ah, I should have protested when he was going to put the princes in the tower as the princes do to Richard themselves. They say, no, we don't want to go there. Don't take us to the tower. We don't want to go there. Um, isn't that like, there's some a reference to Caesar. Isn't that where Caesar, like there's that foreboding of um, assassination. The says when the, when, yes. when, uh, Richard says to the prince, yeah, I think you should go hang out in the tower. <laughs> The pr- in the I mean, jail, like, in the prison. <laughs> right. It's going to be really it's comfortable for you great. there. We're gonna, it's going to be wonderful. And the prince rightly says, yeah, didn't Caesar yeah. build the tower? Like, come and on. Then, didn't he this get is- killed? Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> Isn't this what's going on? Yeah. Hastings, those, those lines that you read were wonderful. And the first two lines Whoa, whoa, for England, not a whit for me. For I, too fond, might have prevented yeah. this. And I think, yep. I mean, this is such an instructive point. We've all been in situations, like like you said, maybe not into the point of death, but we've all been in situations yes. that we know that we've aligned ourselves with someone who is not doing what's right. It's not just they are strategically... Um, misaligned with you, but they are actually in the wrong. And there's this dilemma of, okay, do I stay with this person? Because I might be the voice that can say, no, let's not launch the nuclear warheads just yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or do you abandon ship? And by abandoning ship, your name is now besmirched among the people that you're remaining aligned with. And it's, I used to think, Emily, I used to think all the time I had this kind of, I don't know, kind of inflated, inflated heroic view of the ability to kind of like recognize when 
it's time to get off the ship. But the more I read history and the longer that I've been alive, the more I realize knowing when it's the right moment is extremely difficult. It extremely is. difficult. I remember reading um, Midnight in the Garden of the Beasts oh, about uh-huh. the rise of the Third Reich. Yep. yep. And I thought, of course, that when Hitler was kind of coming to power, that everybody kind of knew it, but they were too cowardly to say anything. Yeah. But really, the more I read the historical record, the more it was really hard to know that Hitler was going to be Hitler. I mean, when he started setting up concentration camps, everybody knew. But I think like in the 30s, before while he's on the ascent, I think it takes a long time for people to realize, oh gosh, he is really up to nefarious ends here. I have Did to you, disagree you, with you slightly. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, if you, well, I disagree with you because I have read Mein Kampf and both volumes of Mein Kampf are published in the 20s. And he is mm. incredibly clear what mm. he wants to do. But I think the difference is, and I think if we're honest, we we can look at the tragedy of Richard III and, and draw a parallel. The difference is that people thought that they could use him to their own ends. I think that that's uh, what's different. Because they I thought think they could ri- use Richard. They people, you know, here, like in some ways, Hastings is saying that Hastings is like, yeah, he took out my enemies. And so I was really happy, right? Because they weren't going to take me out. But with Hitler as well, that like the Prussian military families that were um, sort of entrenched looked at Hitler a little bit like the crazy guy. But, you know, he kind of wants to do what we want to do. And so we'll go along with it. And I do think that that happens. That happens. I mean, where you get co-opted by the power being offered. And so you're like, okay, well, and I think if you look at what happened in Germany, that was for sure true, that um, he was never cloaked about what he was going to do, kind of like Richard at the beginning. Right. People kind of thought, oh, he's a little extreme, but we'll just use him. We'll use him. Um, for our own ends. And like, no, you weren't going to use him and you weren't going to use Richard. And that's why it's a tragedy, you know? Yeah, you're going to get used by Richard. You're going to get used by up and it's going to be death kind of to everyone. Yeah. I cannot remember, and I've not read to the end of the play, Emily, but I can't remember what happens to Buckingham. Don't tell me. I, I don't but, remember either. I was oh, just really? thinking the same thing, but I feel that he dies. That's my feeling it because I'm thinking to me- that too. Yeah. It seems to me like just the logic of, of Richard is, um, okay. So maybe Buckingham will get killed in battle, but it just seems like if Buckingham has thrown his lot in with Richard, he's doomed. He's doomed. Exactly. Over. Exactly. I was doing a little bit of reading because one of my editions says the tragedy of Richard the third. And I was like, that's weird. And then Mm. the other one says the history of Richard the third. And I was like, wait, it's a history play. What's going on? But I guess um, in the folios, one was named the history. And then a later um, printing was named the tragedy. But it is very interesting that it is called the tragedy, right? Because it's unfolding like a tragedy where everybody mixed up in this is going to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I, I do think it's interesting that it got, and so that, yeah, my, my copy says the tragedy of Richard the third. And it's like, well, yeah, because that element of tragedy where somebody purposes that they're going to go out into the world and do something 
like their action goes out and moves beyond them. And pretty much they cannot, pretty soon they cannot contain right. the um, outcomes from the choices that they're making. Right. And yeah. that's what's happening to Richard. He's so sure that he's on top of it and he's so smart and he is. Mm-hmm. And that's, but, but it moves beyond him. He cannot control everybody else's um, choices to react to how he's acted. Right. And that's what yeah. the tragedy plays out. Like our, blindness to what is actually happening. Um, Richard is blind to what's actually happening. Yeah. So I told you that when I saw this the first time at the end of act three, we left because my brother thought that it was over. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like he ascends the throne and my brother's like, Oh, I guess that's the end. Um, we were very young at that point, but <laughs> there is that feeling of like, okay, when you're reading it, Oh, he gets the throne. That's what he's wanted. What are we yeah. going to do with the other two acts? Oh, it's going to be the unraveling. Mm-hmm. As we heard from Queen Margaret at the very mm-hmm. start, it's going to be the unraveling of all of this. So it's great to have not read it recently and to not know what happens to Buckingham. But I feel that right. he dies. I'm just remembering that he dies. <laughs> the logic of um, evil says that he must die because exactly his, because he's tied himself in with Richard because he's done. He's created so many dastardly deeds. Right, right. Um, I want to talk about the boar. Richard's symbol. You did a little work on this on the side, didn't you? Oh, I was just reading. I mean, you know, different um, characters have different, or I mean, I guess different royal, I didn't do that much reading, but different royal crests have different images and the boar is his. There is a lot of foreshadowing in this. Another, Mm -hmm. before we go to the boar, another foreshadowing is Richard's statement to the boys that, um, fast growing yeah young weeds that sprout up quickly die and then the the boys bring it back up to him again Mm -hmm. and he's like "Uh, yeah you're gonna die he says it aside to the audience right so the boar shows up the boys recount it to the queen the first time right like uncle richard said this yeah 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 and then they bring it up to him yeah and he says an aside so this starts um with Lord Stanley, who comes and um, speaks to Hastings. And uh, no, no, sorry. The messenger brings Lord Stanley's words. And he says, the messenger says, then certifies your lordship that this night he dreamt the boar had raised off his helm. Besides, he says, there are two councils kept and that may be determined at the one which may make you and him to rue the other. And that's true, right? Richard's Mm -hmm. holding his own councils. Um, and Hastings just blows it off and he says to fly the boar before the boar pursues were to incense the boar to follow us. And this is all cloaked for Richard because Richard's symbol is the boar, but it is interesting that that is his symbol, right? Very, very interesting. The boar being, it's not like the stag, the stag is a often used as a symbol or, um, what's it called in Harry Potter? What's the spirit animal called? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Oh, right. Cause you haven't read it. I've that never read is... it. Yeah. <laughs> you should be it's ashamed. It's almost right becoming now a point of pride now. This question. <laughs> <laughs> that that well, would be a great, it. <laughs> it'll be a great joy to read this for the first time with Arden, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Oh my gosh. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, um, the boar, not such a noble animal, right? Right. <laughs> like, 
fierce and ravaging, but not the stag, not the lion, not the, what are some other examples? Probably the stallion, right? Yeah, Those would be yeah. other symbolic animals. So it's interesting that it's the boar. Yeah. Um, another question. But anyway, we, Hastings blows it off. Hastings does not. He doesn't does not pick up the clue. Follow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, act three, scene three, the question about Elizabeth Woodville. Does Elizabeth take the side of Elizabeth and her relatives? Wait, wait. Say again. <laughs> Does no. Shakespeare take Elizabeth's hey. side, Elizabeth and her relatives' side? I don't know. I kind of think he does a little bit. Yeah. Don't you? What's the famous statement from the Holocaust? Oh, isn't it Martin um, Niemöller, the the Lutheran pastor, who said first they came, first Hitler came for. Mm. Let's, we're referencing Hitler a bunch. First he came for um, the communists. Then he came for. I don't remember. He lists off. Yeah. Then he came yeah. for the Jews, and I said nothing. And then he came for me. Yeah. And there is a little bit of that feeling in this act, both from Hastings and from. Elizabeth's relatives, because this is when Ratcliffe is uh, the executioner. Right. And this is the scene where Gray, Rivers, and Vaughn all lose their life. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, do I, need think, to... I think he is. I think he is sympathetic to them. That would be my first reading. But that I think that's a... For me, I haven't, I had just haven't put a lot of thought to it. Yeah. Well, okay. So in it, he, Gray says, now Margaret's, and Margaret is referenced in this act a bunch by everyone because that yeah. fateful scene in the first act where she comes in and calls everybody out. And really, she's saying everybody has blood on their heads yes. or on their hands. And on their heads. And she said, Gray says, now Margaret's curse has fallen upon our heads. When she exclaimed on Hastings, you and I for standing by when Richard stabbed her son. Then cursed she Richard. Then cursed she Buckingham. Then cursed she Hastings. This is River speaking now. Oh, remember God to hear her prayer for them as now for us. And for my sister and her princely sons, be satisfied, dear God, with our true blood, which as thou knowest, unjustly must be spilt. Mm. Hastings also says, recognize the same thing at the end of the speech that we heard. Oh, Margaret, Margaret, now thy yeah. heavy curse is lighted on poor Hastings' wretched head. Yep. So she's a little bit of a she's a little bit of um Cassandra. Yeah, she definitely is Cassandra. Nobody listens to her. They Nobody all say, Oh, her. you crazy old woman. Right. What are you doing coming and raining on our happy moment? And then it's all coming true. Right. Yeah, it's all coming true. Oh, the thing we have to talk about too is so awful. Poor Mistress Shore, who shows up intermittently. But but Richard's cause for killing Hastings is that he's been um, unfaithful. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's right. so ridiculous. Right, right. <laughs> Poor Mistress Shore. She's her name is being dragged through the mud. Right. It, it. Richard has no. He he is. His deviousness is multifarious. He'll yes. do anything, and he's quite creative. It's not just that he's rhetorically really advanced, but. He will 
play the religious card. He will, (laughs) you know, he'll throw, he'll call people bastards and impugn their like family lineage. He'll do anything. Yes. Well, that's what he does for um, Edward's sons, right? He says that the marriage to Elizabeth isn't valid. And so Edward's sons are bastards. Mm -hmm. That's part Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, he does. He just throws, he slings um, accusations and then makes people believe those accusations. Right. Right, right. Emily, we have two more acts to go. We have kind of, we're making a turn. As you noted a little bit earlier in the podcast, we're turning toward the gloves being off. So no longer is Richard hiding behind pretended good intentions or anything like that. He's now accumulating enough power that he doesn't really have to do that as much anymore. So what does that tell us about what we should expect during the next two acts? Well, I mean, I think we can come back to it being called the tragedy of Richard III, because now is the, uh, the birds coming home to roost right now, all of these, um, intrigues that he has laid and it, it seemed to work out to his end but it will not work out to his you know he will not right. keep power so the birds will come home to roost um and we will see the unraveling that's what we know we know if it's right. called a tragedy we're gonna right. see it's not it, it doesn't end with him ascending the throne and winning and um all's well that ends well no right. <laughs> it right. will it will end in um bitter acrimonious well and it will end in death it will so we will see the unmasking of all of his um, various plots. I like I like the picture that you started with of the the trap being laid yeah. in a forest and people walking through it. But now Richard himself will be trapped. That's right. He will not. He will not get away with it. No, he won't. He won't. Um, the universe. What is the arc of the universe bends toward justice? Is that? Yeah. yeah. I, who says that? Uh, MLK. I'm oh, pretty sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. MLK. Hey, great. Emily, thanks for joining us. Uh, you have a big wedding coming up this weekend. Your oldest daughter, who, along with her fiance, is a production assistant and was also on Pericles a few weeks ago. And she and Noah Perrin are getting married. If you want to hear a couple of really thoughtful uh, Shakespeare critics who are soon to be married. Listen to our Pericles podcast. It was a lot of fun. And my wife and I and Arden Ann will be joining you guys out in Colorado for the wedding. We're really looking forward to it. We'll see you in not too long now. I know it's so exciting. I'm so looking forward to it. Pericles was fantastic. Everybody Pericles is fantastic. It. Yeah, it, it was really was. really fun to hear. It is not my favorite play. I think it deserves its place as um, the lowest placed (laughs) plays among Shakespeare's in the British public. That seems fitting. It's not. It's not a great play, but I think the discussion uh, did something to to salvage it. Hopefully, I I have to say I haven't ever read or seen Pericles, but after listening, I too wanted to read it and then hopefully see it. Okay, Tim, guess what we're going to see this weekend? Well, what are you going to see? Winter's Tale. No I'm way. So Where? Excited. Where are you going to see it? At the Colorado Shakespeare Festival. And I just can't wait. I hope oh, it lives so, up 
I'm so happy. I hope it lives up also because you and I, a few months ago, did all five acts of The Winter's Tale and we love that play, A Hidden Gem from Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I hope you guys have a great time. Thanks. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. And uh, listeners, we will hopefully see you soon also for Act Four of The Tragedy of Richard III. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.